following is a paid program. The views expressed are not necessarily those of the management or ownership of Score North, KSTP AM 1500. The following is a presentation of Financial Crisis Recovery. Foreclosure, short sales, bankruptcy, credit card debt, job loss, depreciating home values, money management. Peace of mind when it comes to your finances seems completely out of reach under current conditions, but there is a way to achieve it. For the next 60 minutes, you're going to find out how to cover your assets. Cover your assets. Now, here's nationally renowned speaker and expert on getting you on the path to financial strength, Todd Rooker. Welcome, everybody. What a great morning. Can't beat snow, can ya? That... People are probably cursing that. Boy, I'll tell you what, though. That first snowfall is kind of a magical thing, isn't it? You look out your window. It's just so pretty. But, boy, does it fade fast. <laughs> we have a great show lined up here this morning. I think uh, you will enjoy it. Whether or not it's on your radar screen or not, certainly an intriguing topic. Uh, Brian Ajo, uh, not only uh, uh, an attorney whom I've used for long time, good friend of mine, uh, we are involved in the BNI together, and he had uh, his presentation in the BNI, and one of the things that caught my eye was the was uh, he talked a little bit about about the mistakes, catastrophic mistakes that people make trying to represent themselves and trying to save a buck, which is a mistake most of the time. Uh, and you know, I I uh, I remember uh, standing up and saying, you know, how how great Brian was, and that he and I had worked together for 12, 15 years, and he says more. And then I said, "Oh my gosh, I don't." I'm gonna now. I'm feeling old. <laughs> so, Brian, welcome to the show this morning. How are you doing? Thank you, Todd. I am doing well. Like you said, it's the first snowfall. I just bought new tires for my vehicle because I had what way too much fun last year, and another year of driving couldn't have been much better. And, Got to try those out today. Well, you see the people who still have summer tires on their cars, and they're, they're the ones doing 20 and a 60. <laughs> uh, uh, I have used, Brian, I want to say this and get this out. I I, I literally, you know, you hear a, a lot of the commercials, uh, compassionate uh, uh, representation. Brian is quite literally one of the most uh, helpful and and, uh, you know, he, he just he really, really gets along well with people. And, I mean, it is a big deal. Because when people go through some of the things that I use Brian for, uh, one is one is divorce, one is bankruptcy. And, ironically, bankruptcy and divorce often travel hand in hand. Um, they People are really beaten up and very emotional. And uh, Brian is so empathetic and so helpful and and considerate to these people that I have uh, yet to have somebody say, boy, I don't like that attorney. I get, how do I get away from this guy? Uh, Brian is the guy that everybody loves. He gets referrals compounded from him, uh, from others, and, uh, and he's just a great attorney to work with. So if you do have any of those issues, I'm seriously telling you, you want to look up Brian Ajo. So let's jump into the show here. I, I am often hired to help and assist through through a divorce or bankruptcy process. And part of it is the financial 
aspect of it. Now, that's a lot. That's a mouthful, right, Brian? I mean, when we talk about the financial aspect, we're not just talking about the assets that and the divisible assets that are marital. We're also talking about the future and what people are going to use to live on and how they're both going to survive. And ironically, you got people who are t- having trouble surviving when they're living together. Boy, when they move out, things don't generally get better. They get worse. So it becomes really tenuous at that point, right? Well, that's true, Todd. And and also, when you think about it, when they're living together, they have one household and one household full of expenses. When they get divorced, there are now two households and two households full of expenses. But typically, that income hasn't changed. So we have to look at the resources these people have and divide those resources, whether it's assets, whether it's income, whether it's debt. In many cases, we need to get rid of the debt because they can't handle the debt when they're apart. But those are all considerations that we have to look at closely when we're working through that divorce process. Yeah, I've, I, I, I've got to bring this up because I find it so intriguing. Um, well, I mean, I've just lived it. That is that exactly what you just said. People have a notion that just change is better than nothing. You know, they don't really want to think about anything else. They just want things to change. So to them, divorce is is the answer to that problem. But I tell you what, Brian, when people come to see me and say, hey, I'd like your help. And part of the part of the help, which we're going to discuss today, is the real subject nature of assets, because the valuation of an asset within within a divorce or anything else where it's not actually selling That is a subjective thing, and there's different multipliers and ways to come about those valuations. But the first thing that I do is I sit down and I go through the expenses and what those expenses are going to be for the the party whom is contracting me. And wow, when they see the fact that they now are going to have one house payment, but now instead a rent or another house payment, and they're going to have two sets of utilities, and they're going to have different driving proximity – it is a shocker to them because they really weren't thinking about it. And now, you know, when you when you think about people who, you know, a divorce starts out as an amicable situation, but then becomes very divisive as time goes along. That's the reason why, because there's so much because the money is such a big part of it. Right. It is. When I have that initial consultation, I ask those the, my potential clients Where do you want to live? Do you want to keep the current house or the current apartment? Do you want to move out? And how are you going to pay for this? And they look at me and tell me, I don't know. They haven't thought about that. (laughs) Yes, I'm so aware. I'm so aware. So let's jump in here. And let's talk about some of the the mistakes that people make because with that everything we've just said this is why people try to handle their bankruptcy or their divorces on their own. You know they're they're in my words as you hear me say many times they're 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 uh dollar wise or penny wise and dollar foolish they'll walk over a dollar to save a nickel and they don't realize the catastrophic mistakes that they can make that can cost them not just tens of thousands but hundreds of thousands of dollars while they're simultaneously trying to save a few thousand dollars or 5000 bucks on a divorce big mistake so let's begin talking about that brian what are given that i know this is what people do well you know we'll we'll do it ourselves or we'll both hire one attorney uh to represent us both which cannot be done by the way uh, so they really jump into this trying to save money. And from the very beginning, it's kind of doomed, but there are big mistakes that they make. So what are some of those mistakes? Well, in many cases, number one, people don't know the procedure. So they often 
right up their joint petition, which is uh, if they have things figured out in advance, that's the best way to present it to the court instead of the adversarial petition or respondent like litigation. You do a joint petition. So they'll go online, print off a joint petition, and they'll fill it out and submit it to the court. And if there are children involved, the court will have a hearing and the court will look at them and say, you didn't do this right. You need to hire an attorney and come back with this done correctly. But in other cases, when they don't have children, sometimes it just skates on through, the judge signs it, and then all of the mistakes are in that document that the judge signed and is an order. So, for instance, I've had clients come to me 20 years after they were divorced, and somebody wants to retire and submits the retirement to their pension plan administrator, and the pension plan administrator says half of your pension goes to your ex, and you get to keep half, and they'll say, no, no, no. It's supposed to be half as of the date of divorce 20 years ago. They'll come to me and say, our agreement was 20. It, the, we split it equally as, as of the date of the divorce. That was 20 years ago. I'll say, let me see your divorce decree. I'll read their divorce decree and I'll say, who wrote this? They'll tell me I did. I'll say, well, that's what this says. This says it's, it's divided 50%. It doesn't say 50% as the date of divorce. Oh. So we could be talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of difference. Oh, yes. And I can't fix that. They'll ask me, how do you fix that? I'll say, well, we can do a stipulation with your ex where she agrees to amend the divorce decree. Well, she's not (laughs) going to do that. (laughs) Oh, my goodness gracious. So so let's talk a little bit about that because that's worth talking about. So what are the assets that are that are, you know, straight on down the middle, marital assets, 50 50. And what are the assets that are more subjective based on other factors? Well, anything that somebody owns before marriage is a premarital asset. And if you can trace that premarital asset to the date of divorce, that continues to be non-marital through all the way up to the date of divorce. So, for instance, if somebody has a house before married, they get married, they sell that house, use proceeds from the sale of the first house to purchase a second one. That's the down payment, and it could be a significant down payment, and they continue to live into that in that second house throughout the marriage, that you can trace that down payment on the marital house back prior to marriage and you use what's called the Schmitz formula. You can divide it out and have part of that value non-marital, part of that value marital. Same thing with gifts from third parties during the marriage. If you receive a gift during the marriage from a third party and you put it in a bank account, for instance, and you don't co-mingle funds, and then it's easy to trace. But maybe if you buy something with that gift, you still can trace it. That's the second. And then third is inheritance. If you receive inheritance during the marriage and you can trace that inheritance, that is also non-marital. So, so folks, if you're listening carefully, he said an operative term or, or word, and that is that you don't co-mingle. <laughs> yes, I use the analogy of a glass of milk and some Hershey's chocolate, and those two are separate until you put that Hershey's chocolate in there, and that could be problematic. Oh, my goodness. And, and folks, that is as simple as taking your inheritance money and putting it into your joint bank account and then using it for a particular purpose, like a house where both names are on that house. That alone says we got a marital asset. But with the formula, let's talk about that. Let's say that exactly what you you described, uh, somebody got money 
They took the money and they put it as a down payment. And now we go to sell the home as a result of the divorce. We're going we're gonna to sell the home to divide the proceeds. So let's talk about specifically, let's say that we put a $50,000 inheritance down payment on that home. And now we sell that home and let's say we've got $150,000 worth of equity and they've both been making payments or at least contributing to making payments from the household for the, for the length of the, of the marriage. And now they're getting divorced. How might that work as a formula? Well, that one isn't that complicated because you're going to look at the percentage of equity on the date of purchase, or if it was a premarital, the date of equity on the date of marriage, and you apply that same percentage equity at the time of divorce. So if the down payment was 35% of the value of the house at the time of purchase during the marriage, it would still be a 35% non-marital portion of the value at the date of divorce. What complicates it is if during the marriage you build additions to that house. Now you make improvements. Now you're going to have to see what percentage of the value that improvement is and do some additional math to make it a little bit more complicated. Interesting. So so what you're saying is that if I put 35% down on it, when the property is sold, whatever the in- increased equity value is at that point, 35% is going to go directly to pay back, not just the 35 per, 35% dollar for dollar, but what 35% now is in that property. Is that right? That's right. So you will have 35% of the equity as non-marital at the time of divorce and 50% in most cases, of the marital equity as well. Now, the next thing that you brought up that is thoroughly complicated, and folks, listen very carefully to this because this is important. When you put money into a property, the first thing you need to know, despite what everybody tells you in the real estate industry, you do not make money putting money into a house. As a matter of fact, in most cases, the best case scenario is that you're going to get 70 to 90% of the money that you put in. And that's when you put it into exactly the right places, like let's say remodeling your kitchen or the master bathroom. Very few things return dollar for dollar. So based on what what Brian's just said, when you put money in to do the things like do an addition that Brian has talked about, do not for a moment think that if you spent $100,000 to do that addition, that now there's $100,000 more in value in that house. And therein lies some of the subjectivity of what that is actually worth in today's market based on comparables, right? It is. In fact, I often hire an appraiser to tell me what is the value of that house without the improvement, what is the value of that house with the improvement. And you're right, it is not the equal to the amount of money that was put into the improvement. Interesting thing, folks, a lot of people have the belief that if they're going to build their own home and they need financing, they assume that the amount of money they're going to spend on building the home is the amount of money that they'll get as a loan. No, no. You might spend $400,000 to build that home, but at the end of the day, with the lot included, it may only be worth $350,000 because of the neighborhood and the comparables. And that's very frustrating to people. Builders create their own comps when they build a neighborhood because they have other properties that are equal to that value, but that only lasts for a short period of time. So you need to know that it's not as simple as 50-50. Here, you know, here we go. And, and so often people do commingle those funds. Let's talk a little bit about that where commingling has become a problem, Brian. Well, it's often a problem 
for for tracing purposes and and more often than not when it's a long-term marriage it's hard to trace back to the date of marriage for that reason people borrow against the house people are at making additions there's market factors that can come into play so um houses might be a little bit easier to trace sometimes than sure. than than uh investment accounts now if you look at a brokerage account and people are actively actively buying and selling securities that active participation in that brokerage account can deplete all of that non-marital because of all of the efforts during the marriage <laughs> and now what about the more the hairiest one yet what about a business what about when there's a business well, that that also becomes very difficult because now you're also throwing in various approaches to value that business, and di- people have disagreement on what the income is derived out of that business and which expenses are reasonable expenses to deduct from from the revenue and which expenses are are actually income to the business owner, and and th- that's a source of considerable dispute and you and I have been involved in those disputes where you've been my expert and you've written your uh, opinion and and your report and you're you're being a if there's a range of reason your range of reasons in favor of my client and the other side hires an attorney and they probably have some inherent <laughs> bias to their expert and the experts might be using different approaches to the valuation or they might be using different factors when they're applying factors towards the revenue stream or things of that nature and and that becomes a lot of dispute and those issues have to either be resolved by the judge who probably in many cases doesn't have that business experience in other cases they have considerable experience valuing businesses but it's an uncertainty or you have a mediators and i try to find mediators with considerable experience valuing businesses so we get a reasonably accurate opinion from the mediator i just did a valuation for a client and folks what you need to know is that there are just several ways to value a a business and that has to do with the type of business it is whether or not it's a service business whether there's products and or inventory and or or and or equipment and you know whether or not you're doing a discounted cash flow method and it just it goes on and on and on but you know then you add to the fact folks that you have people who participate in the business and then they're quabbling uh you know quibbling about whose partition whose participation throughout the growing of the business had more value in the growth of the business uh additionally you're looking at business owners who often are either paying themselves way too little or way too much so their income as it relates to the value of the business can be a subjective thing whether or not they should or shouldn't receive the same amount of income after post divorce oh my goodness does it become complex right it does. You have to look very closely at that profit and loss statement or that income statement to see what that owner is pulling out as an expense. For instance, that owner is going to be pulling out that owner's salary as salaries, but you need to know what that salary is if there are multiple employees to parcel out that income that's going to the owner because that's part of the value of the business. Also, they might be pulling a salary and pulling out dividends or pulling just doing withdrawals and you have to find those and pull those out too because that is income to the owner and increases the value of the business so folks remember you get in life what you negotiate <laughs> so some of these factors you or may not you may or may not even bring up because you don't even know they exist 
But you could stand on and argue these points that could that could inevitably win you more money in that settlement. So you have to know how to go about doing that. And people who try to save a buck and do their own don't know a lot of these things. And uh, there may legitimately be justifications why one person should get more than the other. But unless you've got a business, which is a pure investment, where you've given someone else money, it's grown, and now it's worth this much money as a value of the shares or member units within the business, only then does it become very simple and straightforward. And even then, where did the money come from is a question. So listen, we're going to take a break here, and we will be back with attorney Brian Ajo talking about people who are trying to handle their own divorces and the colossal mistakes that they make because of the things they do not understand. If you or anybody you know has a desire or need for a bankruptcy and or divorce attorney, I'm telling you, you can't find anybody better. Brian can be reached at 612-271-4047. His email address is brian at aholawoffice.com. Brian at aholawoffice.com. We'll be right back. Saturday mornings at 8, you'll have a chance to hear valuable advice from one of the top financial instructors in the state. Cover Your Assets is the show hosted by Todd Rooker. Every week, Todd shares his vast financial knowledge and extensive insights on how you can make small changes today that will lead to a better tomorrow. Todd has helped thousands of Minnesotans get to a better place financially. Listen to Todd Rooker as he hosts Cover Your Assets, Saturday mornings at 8 on Score North at 1500. Fix Auto has been the collision repair leader in the Twin Cities for over 40 years. Hi, I'm Matt Feehan, second generation owner. Our mission at Fix Auto is to provide you with the simplest collision repair experience anywhere. If you're in an accident and you need help, my team is here and ready for you. You can find us on the web at fixautousa.com. That's fixautousa.com. We are Fix Auto, home of the wow experience. Hello, I'd like to talk with you about financial coaching. Traditional financial planners help you make decisions about stocks, bonds, and mutual funds with money you already have. That's great, but who helps you accumulate more money in the first place? Who helps you make day-by-day life decisions? Who isn't trying to sell you something? Like, should I go back to school? Am I wasting money on insurance? How to purchase and finance a car, boat, home, lake cabin, or investment property? How to start, manage, and sell a business? It's about making minor errors that become colossal mistakes and cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars over your lifetime. The problem is that you're so busy pursuing your career that you're forced to make critical financial decisions that have a dramatic long-term effect on your finances without adequate research or information. Rooker Financial Coaching is like having a personal CFO for every decision. Don't waste time lamenting the bad decisions of the past or money that's run through your fingertips. Stop procrastinating. Call Rooker Financial Coaching, 763-559-3800. That's 763-559-3800. Call me today, Todd Rooker, 763-559-3800. That's 763-559-3800. He can lift a bus straight over his head. He can fly around the world in seconds. And he has the power to regenerate entire limbs. Okay, so Jason Walgrave isn't actually a superhero. But once you visit his website to find out what he knows about real estate, you may start to think he's superhuman. That's because at JasonWalgrave.com, you'll find absolutely anything you need to know about real estate in the Twin Cities. Whether you're looking to buy or sell your home, check out JasonWalgrave.com, the number one place for all your real estate questions. Finding a good banker and CPA are like having a good doctor or mechanic. You cannot fully appreciate the value they represent until you're in a pinch and truly need them. 
However, that's not the time to go looking for one. Instead, you want to position and strategize well in advance for a favorable outcome. CPA Arliss Cleveland of Arliss Cleveland LTD is the CPA firm you've been looking for. As many of you already know, if you're looking for a great CPA, Arliss Cleveland gets my highest endorsement. Arliss Cleveland LTD has now formed a strategic relationship with Village Bank, conveniently located in the Village Bank building, located at 9298 Central Avenue North, Suite 412 Blaine, Minnesota. You can also find Arliss Cleveland LTD certified public accountants and consultants by going to accountingoffices.net or by simply calling 763-786-0639. That contact information again, accounting-offices.net or by simply calling 763-786-0639. You're listening to Cover Your Assets with Todd Rooker. Welcome back. Boy, I think this is a great topic. It's very, very intriguing, I think. Uh, there's just a whole lot of instances that that people's uh, perception of the way things are can differ from what the reality is. Um, there's so much we, we were talking about at the break. You know, one of, one of them I have is, you know, I brought up the subject nature of an asset. And so simple stuff like, well, assets that are, are reasonably liquid, like automobiles. But even in that instance, when you go to Kelly Blue Book or NADA, they may have three or four different valuations, private party, retail dealer, wholesale, there's, you know, and then of course we've got bank value, which we'll talk about in a moment, that's liquidation. So when somebody goes to, to value these assets to determine who gets what, what is the number they use on an automobile, Brian? Well, it- I look more at consistency, number one, because you're right. There are many different valuations. There's retail value, there's trade-in value, private party value, and they're all different. So number one, I want it to be consistent. Now, if I have time, I might compare the the each one and pick which valuation is best for my client because there might be a difference in the, in the ratios on private party versus trade-in, and I might use the one that has the best net benefit for my client. But most important is you don't use retail value for one and trade-in value for the other. You're not comparing apples to apples. Absolutely. And then you add to the fact that if a vehicle's been in an accident, uh, you know, with uh, with uh, and, and or currently has damages to it, all of those things can be argued to decrease the price. I mean, always remember something, folks. You're generally either trying to make yourself look really, really good or really, really bad, <laughs> depending on what you're trying to convey or communicate to somebody. So uh, we were talking about a house, and let's talk about when a house is is try- they're attempting to divide that house, because there's a lot that goes into that. Let's talk about that. Yes. In many cases, one of the two parties wishes to live in that house and continue to own that house and that's when we find the marital value of that house and the other party is entitled to half of that equity in most cases and you either do it through refinancing or you do it through giving that party that's moving out of the house some other asset of of approximately equal value which could be retirement assets and then that leads to some issues because that house is an after-tax asset but the retirement account is a pre-tax asset so you have to pay income tax on that retirement asset later so if I'm representing the person who is not getting the house I'm going to say that this retirement account needs to be discounted for income tax but if I'm representing the person that's keeping the house I don't 
Um, and there really, it can be either way. There is no clear case law on whether to deduct the, the tax from the, the, uh, retirement asset or not. Now, it also, there, you have some enforcement issues because the person keeping the house, if that divorce decree isn't written, if they're not keeping the house, if they're selling the house and dividing the equity, that divorce decree has to be written properly because typically one party is going to be living in that house while it sells. Who pays the mortgage payment during that period of time? Does the person living in the house pay the entire mortgage payment because the other one has their own housing expense or does it get divided? Does it get divided just on the amount of uh, appreciation or the amount that you're paying down the principal? Also, is there something in there that sets the price? And if some, if the person living in it set listed at too high of a price is there a mechanism to periodically reduce that listing price and they're not living in it indefinitely in other words they don't really want to sell it in other words they don't really want to sell it exactly (laughs) because they're living in it having half their payment made by the other party Uh and and sometimes uh, there's nothing in there that puts a deadline to even list it and so they're living in it indefinitely with no deadline to list it for sale and the person comes back saying my nasty ex-spouse isn't listing that house for sale what can i do and and now we have some issues because that divorce decree doesn't have a mechanism requiring somebody to sell it within a certain period of time so another point that that's interesting here minnesota not being a community property state yet there's real estate where if i have maybe i'm the i'm the spouse in a divorce i'm the husband and the financing was done in my name. So, folks, most most important thing you got to know about about a mortgage is a mortgage isn't a financial obligation. It is the it is the note. The promissory note is is the thing that binds you to the debt. Anyone whom is called a guarantor that means they're the guaranteeing repayment of that debt. That's what a guarantor means, or a promissory note to pay. Right. So, when you consider that often one person may have the income and they're the only one who are on the note uh, and in some cases the other person isn't on the mortgage and they're not on the title at all how might that work upon a divorce well if the note like you said it's the note that's important not the mortgage because the mortgage like you said Binds is just the, the guarantee right. just the guarantee that for payment right so, but the note if if the note is only in one party's name and that party retains the asset there's no problem where the problem comes in if that note is joint or if there is a personal a guarantee signed by both parties which is common in business loans then the party that does not receive that asset is still liable if the person receiving the asset defaults and i get that coming come to me all the time where somebody will say my ex received the house and let it go into foreclosure and there was a second mortgage and i signed as a uh, signed that note on the second mortgage and now they're suing me because my ex allowed it to go into foreclosure what do I do? And I'll right. say we can try to enforce that old divorce decree, but they, that ex might not have assets to pay you back, and that's expensive, or you might be filing a bankruptcy. And the courts are very reluctant to push anybody out of a house when there's kids involved. So, uh, you know, now, now I have seen where post-divorce, the individual as a concession of, of divisible assets will quit claim their interest in the property going forward where that person says, I'm not going to live there anymore. And so any equity that increases over this period of time isn't mine because I'm not making the payments. But 
that person may have their name on the promissory note, be bound by the mortgage company, and although they walk away from that, if payments are no longer being made, their credit is going to go to crap, which could be 10 or 20 years down the road from now. And it could also hurt them when they go to try to purchase a home as well, because now their debt to income ratio is affected by that payment that they're not even living in the house. Let's talk about that a little bit. You're absolutely correct. People often tie ownership with obligation to pay and they are two separate and distinct things the ownership of the house is the deed there the obligation to repay the loan is the note and when you sign a quit claim deed to the ex that is not changing that promissory note because this company doesn't care less they just want to if they'll pursue you if the payments aren't being made and and it even goes a step further because that divorce decree might say the house is being awarded to wife. Wife is solely obligated to pay that mortgage loan. Wife doesn't pay the mortgage loan. Husband gets sued. Husband says, I shouldn't have to pay this because look at my divorce decree. They, we tell that lender not to sue me because the divorce decree orders her to pay. Lender doesn't care because they weren't a party to the divorce. <laughs> and how does that happen? Well, you know, I want my spouse to stay in the house with the kids, but they they can't qualify for the loan with their own income. Guess what? Exactly what we just described. That's what happens. And then later on, it unravels and becomes a nightmare. Now, what we do in those cases is anticipate this and we use spousal maintenance or we use child support to support the income of the person receiving the house. But there's some factors involved. You have to have a time period where that spousal maintenance or child support is actually being paid and received because just like when somebody starts a new business the lender doesn't know if they're going to default or not so sometimes we want to start that process of making those periodic payments early in the divorce so while that divorce is proceeding you have that history of making the payments receiving the payments and that can be used in as part of the income sooner for qualification purposes after the divorce when you're trying to refinance yeah Good luck. <laughs> so this is great stuff. Um, we're going to, you know, we're going to take a break here. But a lot of times, you know, you have folks who are just absolutely blown away when they understand just what the basic metrics are to determine what one spouse might have to pay another. Uh, too often, people have the notion that they can just basically, you know, wash their hands of one another and nobody owes anybody any money. And even when sometimes they do their own court, their own divorces, then they go to get them approved by the court and the court says, no, no, we're not going to allow that. That's not equitable. And it, it goes back. So we're going to talk about what some of those are when we come back. We are speaking with quite possibly the best uh, uh, divorce attorney I've ever known or worked with. Uh, just super guy to work with, Brian Ajo. If you want to get a hold of him, his phone number is 612-271-4047. The topic of the show really today is why not to try to do your own divorces. Uh, there is so much more complexity than anybody wants to give it credit for. And everything is just fine until you put money into it, right? All of a sudden, everything becomes really complicated. So let's take a break. We'll be right back with Brian Ajo. Also, if you want to go to his website, you can go to ajolawoffice.com. That's A. A-H-O, AhoLawOffice.com. We will be right back. I have trusted attorney Brian Aho for more than 10 years to work closely with me to resolve and eliminate debt for many of my personal and business clients. 
Aho Law Office is the go-to firm I choose because Brian has always been caring and compassionate with my clients while tenaciously fighting to retain as much of their assets as possible while quickly eliminating their debt. Brian's extensive experience and knowledge of bankruptcy law and willingness to fight allow him to resolve challenges and cases that many attorneys won't. Don't let other attorneys learn on your dime. Rely on the experience of Aho Law Office to help you achieve relief from your creditors. Competent, compassionate legal advocates providing the clarity to protect tomorrow. For more information, call Brian and his staff at 612-271-4047 or email Brian directly at brian at office.com. Again, that number is 612-271-4047. Hi, I'm Kimberly Nibo with the Kimberly Nibo Insurance Agency, serving the community for over 27 years. People tend to be most concerned with price. That is, of course, until something goes wrong. Then the only thing they care about is their coverage. My experience enables me to uncover every available discount. I could save you up to 40% while still offering the proper coverage for the people you care about. Call today for a free review at 763-571-6111 or email me at kim at kimnibo.com. Mike Overson here of Minnesota Home Talk. With today's housing market, buying a house is a competition. To win in a multiple offer situation, you have to work with a local lender who has the reputation of being 100% reliable. Come to the winning team. Get pre-approved for your loan by one of the top lenders in the nation, the Mike Overson Mortgage Team at Luminate Home Loans. We will help you win. Call me at 612-202-8321. That's Mike Overson at 612-202-8321 or go to applywithmike.com. Todd Rooker here to tell you about the most amazing jewelry store, Golden Treasures, on 805 Grand Avenue in St. Paul. I've known the owner, Todd Gimble, for almost 20 years now, and at Golden Treasures, not only do you get more for less, it's the experience that you and your special person will feel when you walk in the door. Todd truly puts his heart and soul into creating your experience, regardless of how much money you spend. This is Todd's customer-for-life philosophy. Take it from me, there really is no other jewelry store. You can't go wrong with Golden Treasures in St. Paul. 651-227-2711. That's 651-227-2711. One, one. Finding a good banker and CPA are like having a good doctor or mechanic. You cannot fully appreciate the value they represent until you're in a pinch and truly need them. However, that's not the time to go looking for one. Instead, you want to position and strategize well in advance for a favorable outcome. CPA Arliss Cleveland of Arliss Cleveland LTD is the CPA firm you've been looking for. As many of you already know, if you're looking for a great CPA, Arliss Cleveland gets my highest endorsement. Arliss Cleveland LTD has now formed a strategic relationship with Village Bank, conveniently located in the Village Bank building, located at 9298 Central Avenue North, Suite 412, Blaine, Minnesota. You can also find Arliss Cleveland LTD's certified public accountants and consultants by going to accountingoffices.net or by simply calling 763-786-0639. That contact information again, accounting-offices.net or by simply calling 763-786-0639. You're listening to Cover Your Assets with Todd Rooker. Welcome back. We are speaking with uh, an attorney and friend of mine, great attorney. I'm, I'm telling you, if you have any interest or have any concerns uh, with someone handling your own uh, divorce or even bankruptcy, you or anyone you know, probably, probably hope you never have to deal with either one of those things. And I think we all feel that way. But nevertheless, life is life and it happens. So if you ever wanted to find like the best uh 
uh, most compassionate uh, attorney and easiest to work with and most helpful and knowledgeable. You really couldn't find anybody better than Brian Aho. His phone number is 612-271-4047. And I, I, I know that's an uh, unabashed, uh, you know, referral, but he, I really do feel strongly uh, about Brian. And I, and I worked with Brian years before I ever did a radio show and, and, and thought he was the bomb back then. And, uh, every, all the years we have together only has served to prove that that, that is the case. He's got a website you can go to. That's aholaw.com. And you can also, Aho Law Office. Ah, uh, forgive me. Aholawoffice.com. Forgive me. And that's, first name is spelled A. H O A is an Apple H O law office.com. And his email address is Brian at Aho law office.com. So we were at the break talking about children, child support and, and the like, and, and listen, folks, a lot of the things that, that Brian brings up as a, as an experienced divorce attorney, quite frankly, from my perspective are things that give you leverage in the arguments, uh, that give you, that bring you a better, uh, decree, a better settlement. And that's really what you're, what you're looking for because there's so there's legitimacy to all of these things, but only if you know them, only if you know how to use them within the, within the law. And, you know, I, I things like, cost of living adjustments and, you know, changes that take place throughout. There's so many things and all of them can be can be very useful if you know them and if you know how the courts have come down in terms of precedence in the past. And this is why a guy like Brian is so valuable. So children is always an issue in in, in divorce, uh, Brian. So let's talk, first of all, just a little bit about what someone can expect to pay when they have to provide child support to their spouse. Well, the amount that somebody pays in child support is governed largely by the Minnesota Child Support Guidelines. And there is a calculator online. It's the same calculator the court uses, the attorneys use, and it's available to the public. Now, there are several factors that go into that calculator. The first factor is the incomes of both parties. But when you look at the incomes, especially of business owner, that could be pretty subjective, and you have to look hard at what is included in that business owner's income and what is not included to get at that true income. Now, if it's a salaried employee, that's pretty easy to determine. If it's an hourly employee, it might be a little bit more of a challenge because there might be uh, seasonal adjustments to the income. There could be overtime that is uh, often earned. It, it could be that it fluctuates, especially with COVID. And so you have to do an average and, and there might be a dispute about what should be included. How many years back should 2000 be included when the, when it's the COVID year? So there's some argument in, just in the income alone. Then you, you might be adding in potential income if somebody's voluntarily underemployed. Are they voluntarily mm-hmm. underemployed? Should you be imputing income to them? Uh, are they unable to be employed? Should you use one and a half times minimum wage? But there, you might have to impute some income. If there's child support, you can add that child support in as income to a party. And it can also be a deduction for the person that pays the child support if it's to the spouse. Uh, so you have some I- issues with income. Now you're going to look at who pays the health insurance and you're looking only at the increased cost of the health insurance for the children. You also look at increased cost of dental insurance. You look at who pays the daycare and that can fluctuate because summer daycare might be greater than daycare during the school year. So you make, so somebody, one party might be getting child support based on the differences in income, but there's an offset for the person that the other person paying the, uh, 
the daycare or paying the uh, dental expenses and the uh, health insurance expenses. So what are those numbers? Just specifically, just I, I know that they vary, but just give me a sense of what, what one can expect to pay according to the state guidelines. Well, it's, it's a, a large factor is going to be uh, the respective incomes of the party. So, for instance, and also, by the way, the overnights, the number of overnights goes into that calculation. So if you have equal incomes, equal number of overnights, and everything else is equal, it's going to be zero, obviously. Right. But if somebody pay, has double the income of the other party with equal overnights, that's going to be a substantial amount of <laughs> child support. And it'll even, and also if somebody has only maybe, uh, five, 10 days a month and the other one has 20 days a month, the one having 20 days a month is likely going to receive child support from the one who only has 10 days a month overnights. We're talking if the incomes are the same, but, the only way to know with certainty is to go onto the site and put the numbers in and do the math. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. The other thing that I thought of as you were talking about was post-high school educational costs. Uh, if that's going to be handled within the decree, if, if someone is going to agree to take money or funds from some other place to pay for college education or technical school and things like that for the kids, that can also be written in there and agreed upon, right? And you're exactly right. It can be written in there if agreed upon. Right. That's not something that a judge would order if it went to trial, but the parties are certainly welcome to have that agreement and put it in their stipulation, yes. Interesting. Um, so next thing I want to talk about a little bit is debt. Um, this is another component that, again, it, it doesn't hurt to reiterate, which means that being married does not commingle your obligations to creditors. So just know that if my spouse has a credit card and he doesn't pay, it's not going to affect my credit. How, however, oftentimes, exactly as you said, in the divorce, regardless of whose name is a guarantor on the credit lines, credit lines being multiple credit creditors whom you owe money to, uh, regardless of whose name is on there, they might split that 50-50 and that, you know, the way that works out in the real world, meaning that your divorce decree doesn't doesn't uh, overcome what the actual guarantors are on the debt. Talk a little bit about that. Well, that's exactly right. If two parties both sign that application or somebody guarantees that application and ultimately guarantees that debt, if that debt was ordered, one party's ordered to pay that debt and doesn't pay it, that that creditor is going to go back to that second party, even if the divorce decree order says otherwise. Says otherwise. What I really cringe on for people who do their own divorces is when they write it in there, we'll each pay half of each debt. Right. Because unless they each make their payments on the same day and the same amount, it becomes a nightmare to determine how much ultimately either one paid when you start factoring in interest and late fees and things of that nature. I, I will never allow my clients to say, well, we'll each make monthly periodic payments on the same credit card. And, and not to mention that if you don't, if, 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 if there's a payment due and you pay 50% as opposed to the required amount, they may send the money back or hold it in suspense and not apply it and give people late payments if both aren't paid on time and sometimes at the same time. Then in addition to that, remember that all the debts we're talking about are known, known generally as joint and several, which means any one party can be pursued for 100% of the debt, not 50-50 because there's two names 
claims on it. So you could be held responsible. If your spouse is broke and has no money and you're both on it, no, for certain, you can be held accountable for all of the money. Let's take another break here. We're talking about divorce and all the mistakes that people make trying to save a buck and do their own divorces. It's a mistake. And if you wanted to find the best divorce attorney in Minnesota, Brian Aho would be the guy. His last name is spelled A-H-O. You can call Brian at 612-271-4047. His website is aholaw, A-H-O, lawoffice.com. And you can email him as well. That's brian at aholawoffice.com. We'll be right back. Hello, I'd like to talk with you about financial coaching. Traditional financial planners help you make decisions about stocks, bonds, and mutual funds with money you already have. That's great, but who helps you accumulate more money in the first place? Who helps you make day-by-day life decisions? Who isn't trying to sell you something? Like, should I go back to school? Am I wasting money on insurance? How to purchase and finance a car, boat, home, lake cabin, or investment property? How to start, manage, and sell a business? It's about making minor errors that become colossal mistakes and cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars over your lifetime. The problem is that you're so busy pursuing your career that you're forced to make critical financial decisions that have a dramatic long-term effect on your finances without adequate research or information. Rooker Financial Coaching is like having a personal CFO for every decision. Don't waste time lamenting the bad decisions of the past or money that's run through your fingertips. Stop procrastinating. Call Rooker Financial Coaching, 763-559-3800. That's 763-559-3800. Call me today, Todd Rooker, 763-559-3800. That's 763-559-3800. I have trusted attorney Brian Aho for more than 10 years to work closely with me to resolve and eliminate debt for many of my personal and business clients. Aho Law Office is the go-to firm I choose because Brian has always been caring and compassionate with my clients while tenaciously fighting to retain as much of their assets as possible while quickly eliminating their debt. Brian's extensive experience and knowledge of bankruptcy law and willingness to fight allow him to resolve challenges and cases that many attorneys won't. Don't let other attorneys learn on your dime. Rely on the experience of Aho Law Office to help you achieve relief from your creditors. Competent, compassionate legal advocates providing the clarity to protect tomorrow. For more information, call Brian and his staff at 612-271-4047 or email Brian directly at brian at aholawoffice.com. Again, that number is 612-271-4047. Todd Rooker here to tell you about the most amazing jewelry store, Golden Treasures on 805 Grand Avenue in St. Paul. I've known the owner, Todd Gimble, for almost 20 years now, and at Golden Treasures, not only do you get more for less, it's the experience that you and your special person will feel when you walk in the door. Todd truly puts his heart and soul into creating your experience with regardless of how much money you spend. This is Todd's customer for life philosophy. Take it from me, there really is no other jewelry store. You can't go wrong with Golden Treasures in St. Paul. 651-227-2711. That's 651-227-2711. Fix Auto has been the collision repair leader in the Twin Cities for over 40 years. Hi, I'm Matt Feehan, second generation owner. Our mission at Fix Auto is to provide you with the simplest collision repair experience anywhere. If you're in an accident and you need help, my team is here and ready for you. You can find us on the web at fixautousa.com. That's fixautousa.com. 
We are Fix Auto, home of the wow experience. Hi, I'm Kimberly Nibo with the Kimberly Nibo Insurance Agency, serving the community for over 27 years. People tend to be most concerned with price. That is, of course, until something goes wrong. Then the only thing they care about is their coverage. My experience enables me to uncover every available discount. I could save you up to 40% while still offering the proper coverage for the people you care about. Call today for a free review at 763-571-6111 or email me at at Kim at KimNibo.com. I have trusted attorney Brian Aho for more than 10 years to work closely with me to resolve and eliminate debt for many of my personal and business clients. Aho Law Office is the go-to firm I choose because Brian has always been caring and compassionate with my clients while tenaciously fighting to retain as much of their assets as possible while quickly eliminating their debt. Brian's extensive experience and knowledge of bankruptcy law and willingness to fight allow him to resolve challenges and cases that many attorneys won't. Don't let other attorneys learn on your dime. Rely on the experience of Aho Law Office to help you achieve relief from your creditors. Competent, compassionate legal advocates providing the clarity to protect tomorrow. For more information, call Brian and his staff at 612-271-4047 or email Brian directly at brian at office.com. Again, that number is 612-271-4047. You're listening to Cover Your Assets with Todd Rooker. Welcome back, folks. We are uh, meeting this morning with divorce attorney Brian Aho. Hey, this is Cover Your Assets after all, right? <laughs> Uh, and we are talking about all the things that can go wrong when people attempt to handle their own divorce cases because of the intricacies of all of these things. And frankly, just stuff that, that nobody who isn't practicing in that area of law would know. In other words, my point is your brother who practices corporate law is probably not going to be the best person to help you with a divorce, just so we're clear on that. Uh, we also talked a little bit about the fact that there are many things involved in a bankruptcy that can become arguments to justifiably increase or or enhance your success within that divorce. And things like order, uh, orders of protection, harassment, restraining orders, cost of living increases, uh, antinuptial agreements, challenges to def- our defense of antinuptial agreements. I mean, these are all things that, that we can use and often are not. Um, Brian, there are, there are Places where these things go wrong, we were talking a little bit about that. Do you have uh, something you could, a story of a real life situation we could, we could, you could tell us? Sure. I have that situation where the divorce decree had awarded the cabin to the, the wife, and the wife was supposed to sell that cabin and divide the equity in that cabin and hadn't been doing that and had been living in the cabin for, years and there was no provision in that divorce decree obligating it to be sold at any given time. So my client had wanted to either get paid, have paid the equity out of that cabin now or wanted the judge to order that cabin to be sold and the equity divided now. But when we tried that, the judge said, sorry, it's not in that degree that these people provided to the court and I signed. So she's going to continue to live in that cabin until she decides she wants to sell it. Oh, my goodness gracious. And so, you know, as I think about that, I think, well, this guy might need that equity to be able to buy himself a home. 
as a down payment, and he cannot force that issue at all. Is there is there any time at which the cabin will be sold? He, he has just have no control at all. He doesn't seem to have control, and to make matters worse, she's been habitually late on payments, which oh. is affecting his credit. We tried to use that as an <laughs> argument, but this particular judge didn't buy into that argument either. So, in other words, other than foreclosure, there's really nothing that can be done. I- with this particular judge, no. Now, maybe if we had appealed it, the Court of Appeals would have said differently, but my client didn't want to spend that money when he lost at the trial court level. So, Yeah, did you hear that, guys? Spend that money. Pay me now, pay me later, right? <laughs> These are colossal mistakes that many folks make in an effort to save a buck and you know they do that with me i i help people through these processes oftentimes brian and i are working together because i'm the expert financial witness who's attempting to show valuation uh higher or lower depending on the client that we're working with 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 useful tools that are that are in fact accurate but must be uh, must be brought up must be shown and then must be used properly in under the law and so you know i'm i'm very familiar with these things things uh, but i'm telling you whether whether i was ever a part or not if you were my brother-in-law or my sister and you needed to get divorced brian would be the guy i would refer you to and i sincerely mean that so if you're looking for a really quality referral i'm telling you this is it brian's phone number 612-271-4047 his email address is brian at office.com and his website is office.com and remember aho is spelled a-h-o lawoffice.com so anything you want to leave people with Brian well I just want to leave people (laughs) with I'm always willing to talk with you I'm always willing to give advice to you what I would like you to do is hire an attorney, an experienced attorney, not just somebody fresh out of law school, but somebody like me who has little hair because all of those hairs that I've lost have been through experience on somebody else's dime. Yeah. And and uh, and the other thing that I'll bring up, folks, is that between Brian and I, we do deal with people who are in challenges. Now, mind you, I deal with people who have no challenges at all and, and want to become wealthy. And I, frankly, we both like those people that better. But hey, we can help and uh, Brian can help in a divorce as well as a as a bankruptcy and he is your go-to guy if you want to give a good referral to somebody he's it have a great weekend everybody bye-bye go ahead thank you todd (laughs) all right bye-bye I'd like to talk with you about financial coaching. Traditional financial planners help you make decisions about stocks, bonds, and mutual funds with money you already have. That's great, but who helps you accumulate more money in the first place? Who helps you make day-by-day life decisions? Who isn't trying to sell you something? Like, should I go back to school? Am I wasting money on insurance? How to purchase and finance a car, boat, home, lake cabin, or investment property? How to start, manage, and sell a business? It's about making minor errors that become colossal mistakes and cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars over your lifetime. The problem is that you're so busy pursuing your career that you're forced to make critical financial decisions that have a dramatic long-term effect on your finances without adequate research or information. Rooker Financial Coaching is like having a personal CFO for every decision. Don't waste time lamenting the bad decisions of the past or money that's run through your fingertips. Stop procrastinating. Call Rooker Financial Coaching, 763-559-3800. That's 763-559-3800. Call me today, Todd Rooker, 763-559-3800. That's 763-559-3800. 
This has been a paid program. The views expressed are not necessarily those of the management or ownership of Score North, KSTP AM 1500.